Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. A college-level cult. I'm Jason Horton. I'm Rebecca Lieb. And this is Ghost Town. It is a shocking story. A man accused of brainwashing his daughter's classmates from prestigious Sarah Lawrence College. Prosecutors say he even forced one of the women into prostitution. In the fall of 2010, Talia Ray became a sophomore at Sarah Lawrence College. She was doing well in school, meeting friends. She even organized housing for her and her closest friends at Slonim Woods 9, a two-story dorm in the middle of campus. Talia was studious and creative. She also worshipped her father. His name was Larry Ray. She said he was a revolutionary, a truth-teller, the smartest man she knew. So in late September 2010, when Talia told her roommates that her 55-year-old father was getting out of prison and he needed somewhere to crash for a while, they were mostly cool with him staying there. But it was definitely not cool. It was terrifying and tragic. Today we're talking about the stolen kids of Sarah Lawrence and the abusive cult of a man named Larry Ray. Born Lawrence Greco, Larry Ray, who eventually took his stepfather's name, was born on March 11, 1958, in Bay Ridge, Brooklyn. Growing up, he was kind of a schmoozer, hanging out all over town with whomever might be down to listen to one of his signature overblown stories. An old friend described Larry as a chameleon. Quote, he could be a good old boy or a patriot, or he'd pull out a pipe and fake glasses and he'd be an intellectual. He would juggle ten different people at the same time, telling each of them one piece of a story he wanted them to know, and convincing them that he wanted them to be part of his master plan. Despite having no college degree, Larry worked on Wall Street in the early 80s and then became a consultant, helping clients in the insurance, construction, finance, and gambling industries. He claimed to be a partner in restaurants and nightclubs and affiliated himself with war veterans and prominent Marines. After all, he himself was a veteran. He was, technically, but records show Larry only served for 19 days back in 1981. In the early 1990s, Larry's stories became bigger and bigger. He had connects in Soviet Russia, the CIA. He said NATO officials had dispatched him to Moscow in 1999 to stop a bombing campaign in Kosovo. If someone challenged him on the NATO claim, he'd show them a letter written on official NATO letterhead, thanking him for his, quote, efforts to ensure good communication and understanding between ourselves and Russian leadership. And that part was actually kind of true. Chris Donnelly, the NATO official who wrote Ray's letter, said, quote, he was connected and may have made some calls for us, as many other people did at the time. I wrote a letter for anyone who was involved. 
1995, Larry met a young NYPD detective named Bernie Carrick. Carrick had recently been promoted from being Mayor Rudy Giuliani's driver to the director of the New York City Department of Corrections Investigations Division. Carrick liked Larry's macho confidence, and the two became fast friends. Larry was even Carrick's best man at his wedding. Carrick and Larry started networking together. In 1997, Larry befriended Pavel Polslakchenko, Mikhail Gorbachev's interpreter, and the two entertained Gorbachev when he came to New York. When Gorbachev made a stop in Los Angeles, Larry orchestrated a meeting between Gorbachev and Robert De Niro. When questioned about it, De Niro remembers thinking it was odd that this guy was the one who arranged the meeting. As a favor to Carrick, Larry also arranged for Gorbachev to sit down with Rudy Giuliani. One month later, Giuliani appointed Carrick commissioner of the Department of Correction. Carrick helped introduce Larry to some of his law enforcement contacts, including an FBI agent named Gary Uher. Larry said he could provide Uher with information on his mafia contacts, so Uher took on Larry as an informant. Larry claimed to have information on a stock scheme operated by mobster Eddie Garofola, and that Eddie had a hit out on him. According to FBI reports, the agency paid approximately $10,000 for a security system to be installed in Larry's home. But after a few years of working with Larry, Uher realized that most of Larry's privileged information were lies. Lies that covered his own involvement in Garofola's crimes. In March 2000, federal prosecutors indicted Larry for his involvement in a securities fraud scheme. He was charged with agreeing to pay a $100,000 bribe to the executive of a bond brokerage on behalf of Garofola. Prosecutors did acknowledge that Larry gave some correct information to the FBI, but between hundreds of lies, none of those truths helped the investigation in any real way. None of his friends, including Carrick, who was now the commissioner of the NYPD, could help Larry. In 2003, he was sentenced to five years probation. At his sentencing hearing, the judge accused Larry of, quote, manipulating the court and promised to, quote, throw the book at him if he violated his probation, which, of course, he did. But we'll get to that later. While Larry was on trial, 9-11 happened and Carrick's visibility made him someone of national interest. He appeared regularly on TV. New York renamed Manhattan's jail to the Bernard B. Carrick complex. He was even nominated to be Secretary of Homeland Security. But then a story broke about Carrick. It alleged that Larry had paid for Carrick's wedding, bought him furniture, and given him a customized Tiffany police badge. Larry, of course, was the story's primary source. Carrick was stripped of his title, and eventually, in 2009, Carrick pleaded guilty to felony tax and false statement charges and served three years in prison. By manipulation and a little structural savvy, Larry had gotten his revenge. He had won, and winning felt good. All the while, Larry Ray was also having some personal trouble. He had a wife, Teresa, a 15-year-old daughter, Talia, and a 4-year-old named Ava. In 2004, Teresa filed for divorce. Around that same time, she called the police because Larry had hit her. When the police arrived, Talia said her mother was abusing her, so Larry got custody of the children. But after a lot of legal back and forth, abuse allegations were deemed unfounded by New Jersey's Child Welfare Department in part because the younger daughter, Ava, had a totally different story than Talia. When a welfare official asked Ava, then four, if her mother had hit her, she laughed. That's what daddy tells me to say, the girl said. Talia also accused her grandfather, cousin, and aunt of abusing her. Meanwhile, Larry created websites and posted graphic accusations of child abuse against Teresa and her family. 
New Jersey Child Welfare Services eventually awarded Teresa custody of teenage Talia and four-year-old Ava. But Larry refused and was charged with contempt and interference with custody. He spent six months in jail. Instead of living with her mother, Talia chose to live in youth shelters. In 2006, Larry was arrested after his then-girlfriend accused him of trapping her in their apartment, pinning her down, and putting his hand over her nose and mouth. Finally, federal prosecutors were like, enough is enough, and deemed Larry in violation of his probation. The government declared him a fugitive, and weeks later police found him in an apartment with his daughter Talia. In Larry's own words, it was a personal plot to undo him, at the helm of Bernie Carrick. But even more concerning was how angry Talia got after her father's arrest. According to the Washington Post, one marshal recalled hearing Talia scream, Police corruption. This is because of Mayor Rudy Giuliani and Bernard Carrick. Okay, so four years after all of this happens, Talia was telling her seven housemates that her father was going to be their temporary roommate. Talia was older, at 20, and a natural organizer and leader. The other housemates, and Talia's closest friends, included Daniel Barbin Levin, who was having a crisis of his own sexuality, a couple named Claudia and Santos, who had both struggled with depression, and Isabella, who was going through a bad breakup. Larry was a kind of breath of fresh air for the teens, who were all in a bit of a rough spot. He lived in the common area, cooking steak dinners and ordering expensive delivery. They had dinner together, and Larry told them about his work in the international CIA operative, how he knew Rudy Giuliani, and his relationships with high-ranking Marine Corps officers. He kind of became a dad to the Slonim Woods housemates, cleaning up after them, listening to their problems. He was a good listener and engaged the group on heady concepts like ethics and justice. At night, he'd screen movies or shows like Carl Sagan's Cosmos in the Common Room, lecturing on the topics of the program, like the universe— or physics. At night, he'd go to bed on an air mattress in Talia's room or the common room couch. I know this already sounds very bad and very weird, but I also want to make another point, which may or may not be important. Sarah Lawrence itself does not have like a typical college culture. It prides itself in being artistic, individual, and has a reputation of being kind of avant-garde and nerdy. Larry's presence, the group, the activities, all these things came together and felt to the residents of Slonim 9 as being fun, weird, but productive, healthy even. Let's take a break. If you are a horror and history nerd like I am, then you're going to love the podcast Lunatics Radio Hour. Host Abby and Alan explore the history and folklore behind popular horror tropes and films like the history of cannibalism or the history of Ouija boards. Learn the history behind famous horror tales, popular paranormal cases, and hear short horror stories submitted by listeners that fit perfectly with the themes they explore. You can find the Lunatics Radio Hour anywhere you listen to podcasts, or go to their website, lunaticsproject.com. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. 
Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. Hi, hello. How are you? Hello. How are you doing? Oh, take a deep breath. It's going to be fine. This is the check-in. Here you are. You've made it. Congratulations. We did it. We did it together. Mm -hmm. With a cooperation, with a team, hundreds, if not thousands, if not millions, working in tandem with each other. Are you proud of being a part of our community? No? Okay. Makes sense. Hmm. Well, we have a little anniversary. Mm -hmm. What did you get us? Oh, your <laughs> listenership and loyalty? Oh, okay. Yeah, that's good. I'll take two, a double. I'll take a side of mayo with that and fries. We realized it is our four-year anniversary of Ghost Town. Four years. Four fucking years longer than any relationship I have ever had. How do I feel? Thanks for asking. I feel good. I feel empowered. Four. What's that in a marriage? Nothing? Is that paper? What's that as a small child? I think that's Red Robin gift card. <laughs> that's, a, I mean, Red Robin gift card is evergreen. We want to thank anyone who's listening, supporting the show, anyone who's been here from the beginning, or maybe they, they're just coming around now, or they mm -hmm. dropped off and they're like, I got nothing better to do. I'll give this another shot. Nope, I'm back off of it again. And then I came back. <laughs> Who, wherever you fall on that timeline, uh -huh. thank you for the support and, and listenership. And you know us. What is four years? Four years sounds like something that would happen in the government. Yep. An election. With big old top hats, the mayors. <laughs> we have Dara Q. Rosenzweig. Hello. We have James F. Harrington. Hello. We have Kat A. Joselle. Hello. We got Ashley B. Matson. Hello. Someone who doesn't need no stinking middle initial. Our governor, Avian Noble. Noble. If you want no ads, no chit-chat, you want just the good stuff, some bonus episodes, head on over to patreon.com slash ghosttownpod. It's our birthday. Why not? Just leave us a little tip of the hat with money. But we're one of those people, when it's our birthday, it's our birthday pretty Forever. much for the whole year, and it never Forever, ends. Ever, baby. Oh, we're going to Palm Springs. We're doing brunch. We're hitting every major fancy restaurant. We've got an activity in the works. That's what we do. And you're going to see it all on our social media. Because I'm a masochist, I've brought back the podcast Strange Year from the Dead. So <laughs> if you need more bite-sized pod that's... More weird history, similar to what happens here on Ghost Town. I put a link in the description. 
And you can just go to Strange Year wherever you get your podcasts, the your podcast zone, mm-hmm. your P zone, your P zone. Fill your P zone with really weird history. I say I'm not a doctor, but I endorse it heavily. Should we get back into it? Let's go back, back far, far away to Sarah Lawrence, where we're back in Slonim Nine, a large dorm that has a 50 year old man living in it with a bunch of college students, and. Everyone kind of loves him. They're lost, they're young, and he's providing some kind of consistency and answers. Larry also fancied himself kind of the house dad or therapist and would often pathologize the kids. Larry would sometimes tell the kids that they were destined to come together, partly because of a shared obsession with suicide. It wasn't entirely wrong. Back in high school, Santos had tried to kill himself. But Larry was confident he could help everyone. He had trained with the CIA and learned tricks to the discipline of the mind. He began counseling some of the kids, starting with Isabella, Talia's best friend. Isabella had come to Sarah Lawrence on full academic scholarship from an all-girls Catholic high school in San Antonio. Soon, Larry started sleeping on Isabella's floor to give her help and comfort. That December, the night before Isabella was to return home for winter break, Larry called her family. According to Isabella's aunt, Larry told her mother that Isabella had been sexually abused as a child by a family friend, and that if she went home for break, she might commit suicide. The family was understandably concerned, shocked. Larry specifically told Isabella's mom that he was very disappointed in her. So Isabella spent winter break with Larry, Talia, and Talia's boyfriend just a couple hours away, in a one-bedroom condo on East 93rd Street owned by a friend of Larry's named Lee Chen. Talia and her boyfriend slept in the living room while Isabella and Larry shared the bedroom. Quote, he controlled every aspect of our lives once we were in the apartment, Talia's boyfriend says. When we ate, what we did, when we went to bed. Talia's boyfriend was so disturbed by Larry's behavior that he broke up with Talia as soon as winter break ended. Larry returned to Slonim 9 for the spring semester, spending most of his nights in Isabella's room. His, quote, house meetings and, quote, family dinners started to feel mandatory. Sometimes he'd lecture on Q4P, a philosophy based on the supposition that all energy in the universe is powered by the, quote, quest for potential. Another roommate, Claudia, at first thought Larry was very weird, but she became particularly intrigued by the Q4P presentation and began having weekly counseling sessions with Larry. Claudia had grown up on the outskirts of Los Angeles and was very creative, known herself to tell stories to make her own life feel more exciting. So she started counseling with Larry. He suggested to Claudia that she might be schizophrenic. Daniel also thought at first Larry seemed weird and very bullshitty, but at the end of the school year, he felt lost. His relationship was crumbling, the questions about his sexuality were growing stronger, and he had nowhere to live that summer. Urged by Santos and Claudia, David met Larry at a local Starbucks and the two talked for hours. Larry gave him straightforward advice. Dump your girlfriend. On the question of Daniel's sexuality, Larry shut down any ambiguity around it. Quote, oh no, you're not gay, he said. I can tell you that for sure. Literally right after their conversation, Larry walked Daniel outside and a limousine was waiting. Talia, Claudia, Isabella, and Santos were inside, and the bunch of them went to the apartment on East 93rd Street, where they all lived for the summer. Days in the 93rd Street apartment all started the same way. Larry would wake up and blast the Who's Baba O'Reilly. 
and the college students would have rousing discussions before they separated for their jobs or whatever Larry thought they should do for the rest of the day. For work, Larry had lots of streams of income and always had a wad of cash with him in a backpack he carried around at all times. One time, according to Claudia, Larry pulled out his laptop and opened a spreadsheet where it showed the valuation of all the GoDaddy.com domain names he had bought. It was more than $28 million. Larry also had a limo driver on call to take them anywhere, no matter what time it was. Larry's core program of personal transformation would occur late at night. After dinner, everyone would gather in the living room where one person was chosen for an interrogation. Usually, the person chosen had done something Larry didn't like, small things like breaking a dish or being out too late. These sessions would often end in, quote, breakthroughs that revealed personal family trauma. When the kids were in the hot seat, they felt a lot of pressure to find explanations for their, usually very small, transgressions. Once, after spending hours in a session with no end in sight, Daniel told a story about finding an injured baby bird in his driveway and crushing it in his bare hands. It was entirely made up, but it caught Larry's attention and ended the session. The group clapped for Daniel's bravery and sharing. This would go on day in and day out. The intensity, the counseling, the lectures. Larry, older than all of them, never seemed to be tired because of his supply of methamphetamines, which he openly took and supported. He rarely needed sleep. It was healthy, he told the kids. Claudia also wanted to be healthy and fixated on Larry's eating and exercise regimen. When Claudia's parents caught wind that Larry was still living with their daughter, they met with Alan Green, Sarah Lawrence's dean of student life. Green told them he'd received other complaints about Larry but couldn't do anything. Everyone was an adult, and a father had a right to visit his daughter on campus. Then, things became even more rigid. When kids displayed subversive behavior to Larry, he required long written confessions, with behavior explored in painstaking detail and explained in large, conspiratorial ways. Daniel remembers one such letter. He had to list items he had damaged as part of an intentional effort to harm Larry's family. Daniel believes this cemented Larry's psychological conditioning. Quote, All this pressure had been put on all of us to believe that what we had done, all these terrible things, were to him and his family, he says. The confession process demanded that Daniel reconfigure his own memories to reconcile them with Larry's accusations. Over the years, Larry would collect hundreds of pages of such confessions from the students. Many of them used almost identical language. And then, sex became part of Larry's regimen. One night, Isabella came out of the bedroom and kissed Daniel, who was sitting on the couch. Daniel was confused, thinking it was a one-time impulse on her part. But a few weeks later, Larry took the two of them into the bedroom, instructing Daniel and Isabella to have sex while he watched. These sessions became regular, and Larry would sometimes participate. One time, he invited apartment owner Lee Chen to join them. Daniel was weirded out and scared, but of course he didn't leave. Quote, it was a combination of feeling like, this is unusual and I feel kind of weird, but my immediate next thought was, everyone else seems to think this is really good. Maybe there's something wrong with me and I need to lean into this. At the end of the summer, Claudia and Santos broke up and Claudia and Daniel left to study abroad in England. Before leaving, Claudia sent a long email to Green, the Sarah Lawrence Dean, with the subject line, The Truth. Claudia praised Larry for his influence and said not to listen to her parents or any initial statements she had made. She claimed Larry's ex-wife Teresa had tricked her into making those statements in the first place. While abroad, Daniel and Claudia would meet up so Larry could Skype in for a family meeting, where he coached them through sex. 
Meanwhile, Santos had introduced Larry to his older sisters, Yalitza and Felicia. Yalitza was an undergrad at Columbia when she first started visiting the apartment on 93rd Street. Felicia, the oldest, was a Harvard graduate and had a medical degree from Columbia University. She had started her residency in Los Angeles when Larry began calling her regularly. It wasn't long before Larry had convinced Felicia that people were after her. Felicia soon abandoned her residency program and moved in with Larry. Things became romantic with them soon after. Larry started referring to both Felicia and Isabella as his wives. When Claudia and Daniel came back from their semester abroad, they moved back into the Upper East Side apartment, now more than ever isolated from their friends and family. At that point, violence was also a part of Larry's coaching. He would regularly put Santos in a sleeper hold until he passed out. Did the darkness envelop you? He would ask when Santos woke up. Once, after Daniel supposedly damaged the oven, Larry asked him to kneel and then stood over him with a knife and threatened to dismember him. After Talia missed the application deadline for Stanford Law School, Larry accused Daniel of intentionally distracting her. In a confession session that night, Daniel denied it all, but Larry didn't accept that. Larry crushed pieces of aluminum foil into little balls and rolled them up inside a string of saran wrap, and in front of the group, ordered Daniel to wrap the thing around his genitals. He did, and Larry began twisting the contraption until David succumbed. He agreed. He had indeed sabotaged the application. Another time, Daniel again confided in Larry about his sexuality, so Larry made him put on one of Isabella's dresses and get the mail from the building's lobby. When he returned, Larry handed Daniel a dildo and told him to penetrate himself. He did, and everybody laughed. Finally, in 2013, Daniel left Larry's orbit, getting an apartment in campus housing. He stopped responding to phone calls or emails from anyone living in the 93rd Street apartment. Meanwhile, Larry was also getting more money from his young roommates, creating scenarios that required them to pay him for different types of damages. Quote, His most classic tactic was to claim that people had either stolen things from him or ruined things of value and therefore owed him money, Daniel says. Santos once sent an email to Larry with the subject line, quote, Prices of your things I damaged slash ruined with preliminary total. The email was a five-page accounting of more than 50 items, ranging from painting tape to a gas range. The total, he calculated, was over $47,000. Santos threatened suicide if his parents didn't help him get the money for Larry. His father tried to visit the apartment to see the damage his son had supposedly done, but when he arrived, Larry wouldn't let him in. Out of fear for their son's safety, Santos's parents gave him as much as they could. Santos's parents estimate that they gave Larry more than $200,000 over three years and were forced to sell their house to cover the costs. They went to the NYPD three times with their story, but police told them there wasn't much that could be done. Santos was a legal adult. Claudia's parents also alerted the police and were told the same thing. In 2017, the police conducted a wellness check on Claudia and determined she was acting out of her own free will. One night in 2013, Elitza's parents got a call from a doctor at Mount Sinai Hospital. She had attempted suicide by swallowing a bottle of Tylenol and was in a coma. When she woke up, Larry was there. If her parents wanted to see her, they needed to do it with him present. Quote, he was able to examine me when I was in a coma, look at the lab results, and make suggestions to my medical team, Yalitza later said in court. He saved my life. Soon, Claudia also swallowed a bottle of Tylenol and the same situation happened with her. 
According to Claudia, Larry was her guardian, and she didn't want to see her parents. Daniel, Talia, Claudia, and Isabella graduated in 2013. Santos never did. After graduation, Claudia began a certificate program at Columbia and later worked part-time at a data analytics firm. She bounced between her parents' apartment and the East 93rd Street apartment. When her parents divorced and moved out of the city, Claudia began working as an escort under a fake name, a combination of Larry's daughter's names. Her website advertised services for $8,000 a night. She would give her profits to Larry in order to help pay for the damage she believed she'd done to his belongings. In addition, Ray and Isabella would torture Claudia for hours at a time, making her strip naked, handcuffing her to a chair, and nearly suffocating her with a plastic bag. Isabella, Felicia, and Larry continued to live in Chen's apartment on 93rd Street. Santos and Yalitza came and went regularly. In 2014, Larry was evicted from the Manhattan apartment and sued Lee Chen. The landlord countersued. Throughout the trial, the girls took the stand, painting a bizarre conspiracy around Larry. The CIA was after them, they were being poisoned, and the whole person, the mastermind behind it all, was Bernie Carrick. Remember him from earlier in the podcast? Yeah. Chen won the eviction case, though it would take almost another year to get Larry out of the apartment. The poisoning part was likely true, though probably not a conspiracy. Most likely, Larry or someone on his command would administer sedatives to those in the apartment to gain control over the kids that were more combative or rebellious or asked too many questions. We know this because Claudia later taped a confession where she is clearly under the influence of a sedative, saying that she was poisoning everybody for the truth and for their safety. After that, Larry moved to New Jersey with Isabella and Felicia. When asked if he was romantically involved with them, Larry says only that he hasn't been able to have sex in years on account of the poisoning. Santos is not in contact with his parents and was, upon research, perhaps living in a shelter. Daniel sought help with victims of cults at a cult counseling center. He speaks out often about his experience. Claudia was actively being abused and extorted by Larry until she eventually left New York. Slowly but surely, the stolen kids of Sarah Lawrence, as they started to be called, started speaking out, though some were still diehard Larry supporters, including Isabella and Talia. But on March 8, 2022, yes, that recent, Larry Ray went to federal court for sex trafficking, extortion, conspiracy, and a string of other crimes. On April 6, he was convicted on all counts. Charges were filed against Talia and Isabella as co-conspirators, and their trial will be held later this year. This year as in 2022, depending on when you're listening to this. And that is the story of Larry Ray and his cult of Sarah Lawrence, which will continue and hopefully conclude later in 2022. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, 
which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.